Genesis 41, 15 through 36 says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, It is not me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in the land of Egypt. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I, then I awoke. I also saw in my dream seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Seven ears withered, thin, and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And then the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to the Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed the Pharaoh what he has, what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to the Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of the Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming to st and store up the grain of under the authority of the Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be reserved for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. Thank you, Anna. And I just want to say that they made this set list before I even decided what my sermon was going to be on. Like you said, I was in Tennessee, so I was kind of like in the Tuesday range of when I was going to start developing my sermon. So I'm very grateful for the song that they sang last, Goodness of God. And y'all are about to see why. It's because my big idea this morning is going to be God is. See, this story, I'm, kind of going, I'm going to shake things up a little bit, go a little non-traditional with this. 
excerpt of scripture. I'm going to show where God truly is in the midst of all this story and the preparation he had for Joseph and for the Pharaoh and for the land of Egypt. And also what my main goal today is too is something that I was challenged in my first ministry site in Louisiana was under the pastor. He taught me that all scripture, even the Old Testament, is one epic that points straight to Jesus. And that's my main goal is to show how we're going to point to Jesus, even through the story of Joseph. So let's go ahead and get started. Let me ask you all a question. Who in here has just bizarre dreams? Anybody besides me or am I just absolutely crazy? Anybody have some like crazy dreams that some they wish somebody could interpret sometimes? Because when I started to read this dream, I was like, honestly, this is not far off from some of my dreams. Maybe I need a Joseph in my life to tell me what God's predicting for me because this seems crazy. So that is what Joseph's main purpose in Egypt was. But how did he get there? See, my first point is going to be God is all-powerful. Which another word for that is omnipotent. And then he is also what we like to call omniscient, which is all knowing. So these two things combined is the reason that Joseph was able to help Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And this is a very interesting concept because he, in the last sermon that we heard, was put in prison for two years. And what was his main request is to remember me, right? Please remember me. The two years he was in prison, I'm sure he felt forgotten. So that's what we're going to be looking at is Joseph and how he went from prison to where he is now. So he was able to speak to Pharaoh through a dream. God was able to speak to Pharaoh through a dream. God speaks to us in many ways. For me personally, he likes to speak to me through other people. And those other people kind of like help me kind of see what God has in, has in store for me. That's kind of how I got to the call to ministry, right? So a lot of people were pouring into me, well, you make a great pastor. You make a great youth pastor. You make this, that, and the other. Though I ran from that calling, that's how God kind of got a hold of me. But he also is seen in Scripture multiple times using dreams to get a hold of people. Now, just like the gift of tongues, I think that interpreters are very important when it comes to dreams being a way of communication to us. Unless it's very clear. If it's very clear, then great. But there is also an interpretation that kind of goes along with speaking to people through dreams. So that's why I think Joseph was so important in this. In other words, Pharaoh would have just missed the whole point. So Joseph was there for a reason. Now, like I said before, Joseph, his main request in uh, chapter 40 was please just remember me. So there's many times that I actually was developing the sermon and had to check myself and was thinking that sometimes I really feel like I'm just stuck. I'm stuck where I am. Sometimes I feel like I'm somewhere for no reason, though my calling was not originally my calling. There's been many times, especially when I first moved to New Orleans, I'll never forget that you put a country boy in the city for long enough, he's going to start questioning some things, right? And I know that's kind of stupid to hear, but that was an internal conflict I had was that I'm not meant to live in the city to go do God's work in the city. That's not what I was made for. It's not where I was born to be. I was born in the woods somewhere, and then I moved to a parking lot for a little bit, then I moved back to the woods. So, like, that was, it was a big thing for me to be like, I'm not meant to be here. 
But then I remembered what my calling was like in Arkansas whenever I had my calling affirmed. I knew where I was supposed to be. So, but my thing is, I was not being faithful in patience. Because I knew where I was supposed to be, but yet I still questioned if I was supposed to be here. There's many times in life, maybe your situation is not as intense as being a call to ministry, but maybe you're called to just be somewhere for a certain amount of time. Maybe your job is your calling. That's your ministry site. That is where you're supposed to be. But sometimes our selfish internal struggles want to dictate what our calling is. Now, that's not right. Who are we to tell God what our calling should be? We're called to a place for a reason. And I fully believe now that I've had time to pray about it over this past year. I know I'm supposed to be right here where I am right now. At least for the time being until he calls me out. Not because I want to leave. Because I don't. Because whenever you find joy in your ministry site, whether that be at your work or even at your house with your family. Or where you, what is it that Brother Daniel says, where you work, where you eat, where you play, right? All these places can be a calling for your life to go share the gospel. But Joseph specifically, back to Joseph, his calling was to help Pharaoh interpret his dream. So he interpreted the famine after seven years of plentifulness. And he said, you should appoint overseers to instruct these things. Then what do we see happen? We see, let's go ahead and start reading verse 37 through 45. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zephanath, Penea, that's what I was going to say. And he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. So what do we see here? He said, you need overseers to oversee what's about to happen. You need somebody to discern what to do in these times. And what did Pharaoh say? I see God in you and none so discerning as you. So you will be as equal to me. The only thing different, differencing me and you is the throne itself. I give you my power over the land of Egypt to do whatever you see fit. I don't know if y'all remember last week, but as I've said twice or three times before now, Joseph felt forgotten for two years. But then what happened? The reason he was in prison for two years is shown. 
not only the reason to interpret his dream, but to not, but to take over Egypt almost, minus the throne. That was it. He said, you have all my power minus the throne. No one is to stand up without your consent. But what do we see in the story of Joseph, especially in the earlier chapters? We see that he always gives all of the glory to God. He's saying, I remember he said about who else does interpretation belong to other than the Lord. So everything he is doing, he is giving back to God and he is blessing him beyond measure. So what, what I see here is, is my second point, that God is our redeemer. See what I'm saying? We're seeing God in every part of this story. Now, what I say my second purpose was, was to find Jesus in all of this. And I'm here to propose to you that Jesus is the better Pharaoh by giving us the gift of salvation through his redemptive sacrifice. Jesus gave us the opportunity to be saved through his name the same way God gave Joseph the opportunity to be over the full land of Egypt. So we see the thematic connection between the story of Joseph and the story of Jesus, all scripture can point to Jesus. But back to it. Joseph has given all glory to God, so he's been blessed. Let's be real for one second. Has anybody in here ever felt forgotten? Maybe even by God himself, you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel as if you are not as significant as you maybe once were. Or maybe that you're questioning if God's even going to use you. Now let me ask you, was this the same situation as when Joseph was being held captive for two years? Same situation, maybe it looks different though. Sometimes we're put somewhere and it feels like captivity. But if you hear nothing else I say today, I want you to remember one thing. I want you to remember that the waiting is not the captivity. If you are faithful in patience to the calling God has on your life, you are not held captive by God. You are about to be used by God if he calls you somewhere. And maybe you don't see the purpose. If God truly called you there where you are, whether you feel captive or not, if you are faithful in patience and faithful to trust in God, he will show you why you were there. Joseph was meant to help the Egyptians and God provided everything he needed in order for that to happen in great abundance. Now, I'm not sitting here saying God's going to give you all the health, wealth, and prosperity. What I'm here to say is something that I try to say as often as I can. What God commands of your life, he will supply in your life for you to be able to fulfill his purpose. Every time. There has not been a time where I've been called, whether I've questioned or not, that God has not revealed himself in my life 
and given me what I needed to fulfill that purpose. God can redeem anyone from any situation you are going through so that they may be used for his kingdom. We see that with Joseph. Joseph in prison, interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and now he's over the full land of Egypt. I want to start, I want to keep reading in verses 46 through 57. Let's finish out the chapter. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food for these seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt, and put the food in the cities. He put in every city the food from the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn, of the firstborn Manasseh, Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. The name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and then seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread off all over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. This brings me to my third point. God is true. We see what Joseph had predicted through the power of God all came true. What he was given a purpose for was perfected through God's plan. God used Joseph's interpretation that he gave him and made it a reality. But because Joseph remained faithful to God in his calling, he used his authority to serve him, to serve God. And then what happened? When the years of famine came, what was there? A bunch of grain for all. So what do we see here? We see that whenever we're used by God, there will be a result. Does that mean it's always going to be a plentiful result like all the grain? No. Sometimes we don't get to see the fruit of our effort. That's why it can get so discouraging in your calling. So that's why sometimes you feel captive because you, sometimes you're, you're doing all you can. But you don't get to see what happens. But that's why we look to Scripture. We see stories like Joseph that 
seven years later worth of work, then it happens. Then the famine that was predicted becomes true. And since he was faithful to God and used his authority to please God in his calling, they were prepared for those seven years. Then what does it say at the end? All of the earth came to Egypt to try to be, please sell to us, please. Because what they had was attractive. What they had was what they needed. And I think that also reflects on Pharaoh when he said, I see the spirit of God in you. I need that in my kingdom right now. God used Joseph where he was for two years, and Joseph didn't even know it. Kind of reminds me of Habakkuk whenever he was questioning God, and then God told Habakkuk, I am doing more than you could ever imagine. If I told you, I would not, you wouldn't even believe it. If you would have told Joseph in that prison cell, that he would be over the whole land of Egypt minus the throne, I guarantee you he would have laughed in your face. Because sometimes it feels that hopeless in that season of waiting and season of faithfulness. But does that mean that we give up? Does that mean that we quit the purpose that we've been put on our lives? No, if you remain faithful, then you have been used by God. You remain faithful. So whenever we talk about how does this relate to Jesus, we've already said that Jesus is our redeemer. But we also have to remember Jesus' ministry. Jesus is God and God is truth. What Jesus has taught us is true. And whenever Brother Dean was up here talking about even the end times, Jesus is up here. He, he said, all of these things are going to happen. And that's when it's going to stop. Sometimes it feels like we're still in that season of waiting. Sometimes I feel like we're in the season of just, is this even going to happen? Because he said he's coming soon. And 2,000 years later, he's yet to come. Does that mean we stop our patience? Because I believe if you see the story of Joseph, what he promises will happen will happen. But like Brother Dean challenges, we still have work to do. Because for seven years, we see Joseph surrender to that calling and put in seven years worth of work. And then that's when it happened. Now, I'm not predicting seven years is when Jesus is going to come back, okay? That's not what I just said. What I said was there is going to be a season of waiting and that we have to live in that amount of just anticipation for his coming. Because whenever we have anticipation, we have a sense of urgency in our calling on our lives. Because if what Jesus said is true, he's going to come back. But what he also commanded us to do is to go and therefore and make disciples of all nations. You will hear me reference the Great Commission most times I'm up here. Because all scripture points to Jesus. And what was Jesus's mission for us? That was to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So back to my main point, God is. We see that God is all-powerful in this situation. We see that he is all-knowing. 
we see that he is uh, our redeemer, and we see that he is true. So whenever we see the story of Joseph, what do we take away? As we've discussed, we discussed that we need patience in our calling. And that we need patience because God is truth and he will fulfill his promises. He never promised us comfort. He never promised us financial stability. He never promised us that we will be all happy all the time. But what he did promise us is that he's coming back and he has a purpose for our lives. Even though that the verse Jeremiah 29, 11, I, some people kind of take that out of context. Believe it or not, because it was written for the Jews at the time. But there is a Bible chock full of the uh, same theme that Jesus has a plan for us and that he will use us as he sees fit. And it is up for us to surrender to Jesus and to accept that calling, just as Joseph decided to do whenever he was awake. Whenever he had the opportunity, do you think Joseph had to do all these things? Do you think he had to remain faithful for these seven years? There are points in time where we are going to have the opportunity to do as we see fit, because if Pharaoh himself gave him all authority over the land, he could have manipulated, he could have used that opportunity to do whatever he wanted. But for those seven years, he remembered that calling. That, or that promise that God made that there will be a famine, but it can be corrected by God. So no matter how long that season is, we are to remain faithful in patience and faithful in effort. Lord, I am so thankful that he did not give up on me. If he would have gave up on me, I would not be on the stage. I'd still be chasing a dream that would lead me nowhere. Or he put the people in my life who didn't give up on me and were more than patient with me. Or I would not be here today as well. I would still be chasing a dream. Or on my butt on the street somewhere. Because that's where I deserve to be. But because the Lord's servants remain faithful in my life, personally, I get to be where I am today, which I still struggle. I still question. I still doubt. But I know that there is a God who loves me. And I know that there is a God who cares for me. And that he has a purpose for me. The beauty of that story is it's not just me. He has a purpose for who he loves or who he cares for. He cares for each and every one of you. Will you remain faithful in your calling on your life? Because I don't care if you are five years old or 95 years old. There is still a purpose as to why you are taking breath on this earth. Your job is not done yet if you are still awake and alive. Are we taking that calling seriously? But I firmly believe God positions us where he needs us for however long he needs us so that his kingdom 
may grow and prosper. Will we remain faithful so that he can use us no matter what stage of life we're in? I hope the answer is yes. My challenge to y'all today, I don't like to leave without giving a challenge. In other words, I just talked to y'all for 25 minutes. I challenge y'all that if you feel stuck or if you feel captive whenever you thought you were supposed to be where you are, give it to God and remain faithful in your patience. And let God show you the reason he has you where he has you. You can ask the leadership of this church. Sometimes it can get discouraging. A church replant is a lot of work. If you don't believe me, ask those two sitting right there. They can tell you all about it all day. I guarantee it. But we still run every week because this church believes in remaining faithful in our patience and our efforts. Trusting that God will do what he wills in this church. So please, don't give up your calling. Don't give up your position because God has you where he can use you. If you need affirmation, please look in Genesis 41 where Joseph had to wait for that much time and had to work for that much time to see the benefits of why he was where he was. Maybe today you were sitting here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't know Jesus or what the plans he has for you. Maybe you need prayer or maybe you need to make a decision today to follow Jesus so that he can use you. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. I know that Abby Yoye would love to pray with you. I know that Brother Dean would love to pray, you, pray with you. Or if we're all busy, find someone in here we would love to pray with you. So as I close in prayer, please, if you're feeling that burden in your heart, don't ignore it. Surrender to it and watch what the Lord has for you today. Let us pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we thank you for the example that you set for us through the story of Joseph. That we all may be used for your kingdom. All we must do is to remain faithful and patience so that you can show us why you have us where we are. And Lord, I pray for those who feel captivated in where they are. I pray that you will show them in a great and mighty way why they are where they are. And may their calling not feel insignificant or unimportant. But Lord, show them why you have them where you want them. Because Lord, we know that you have them there for a reason and for a purpose. So may you today lead and guide everyone in this room and affirm where we need to be and why we need to be there so that your kingdom may expand. Because, Lord, that's why we're here. Whether we are scared of the end times, whether we're ready for it, we are still here for a reason. We are still here to be used by you and solely by you. And may we remember that in our day-to-day -day lives as we live for you and that purpose. 
So may we remain faithful in you this morning and for the rest of this week and for the rest of our lives. And burden each and every heart in here who needs to fully surrender to that purpose. Maybe they're living selfishly. Maybe they're living without full surrender. Lord, we pray for your intervening, for your intervening on their lives that you may burden them to the point where they must choose to follow you. Lord, be with us this morning as we respond, Lord. In this holy name I pray. Amen.